Hi, welcome to the Bread Podcast, which stands for beauty, response, and expression in art and daily life. We're your hosts. I'm Andy. And I'm Ariel. In this podcast, we discuss how as Christians and artists, we express and respond to God's creative nature. On today's episode, we are excited to introduce this week's guest, Edward Sun. He's a full-time graphic designer for Brain Trust Creative, and he's also a musician. Through creative passion projects and client work, Edward creates meaningful work for the world's good and creates beautiful content that he believes serves a purpose. Welcome, Edward. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Wow, that was a beautiful intro, Ariel. Yeah. Very well written. Impressed. (laughs) But yeah. Um, Edward, thank you so much for being on this episode with us. Um, honestly, just hearing that intro, like you do a lot. So I just want to ask for a brief rundown of how you just got started in the graphic design world. Yeah, so I basically stumbled into it uh, by accident. Uh, but I, I've, So I've always been interested in design. Um, I watched a YouTuber back in the day who got me really fascinated by it, but I never thought I could do it. I had no background, I had no skills, I didn't even know how to use Photoshop, um, stuff like that. And I studied marketing and advertising and music business in college, and I really wanted to work in the music industry. Um, So what happened was, right after college, I didn't want to move back home, so I just rushed to get a full-time job. I worked, I got a job at an insurance company, and I hated that job. So in two months, I quit that job. Um, I didn't even plan on quitting that day. I went in that day and just decided I don't want to work here anymore. <laughs> um, and then I quit. And then I scrambled to find a part-time job to pay the bills so that I could help build this record label, Good Fruit, that I was helping with at the time. And after I quit, I got that part-time job. And then, you know, I was I had a few emergencies come up in my life. It was draining my savings wasn't really making enough money to survive. Um, After like eight months of that, of like stress and worrying about living and doing all that, like during that eight months, I was kind of scrambling, you know, using Photoshop and Illustrator, like by myself, just going in there and figuring it out. Um, And then doing like really small jobs for local churches that were super tiny, that were also not necessarily paying the bills. (laughs) And then, uh, a friend knew that I was struggling <laughs> and then he was a church planting intern at a local mega church. If you don't know, Atlanta is the mega church capital of the world. So there's tons of those here. Um, but he was like, yeah, someone at this mega church has a design age or creative agency, not just design. And, uh, they're looking for a job. So just apply. Um, and I thought, okay, I'll apply, but I don't know anything about this company. I'm looking at their portfolio and I'm like, I don't know if I can like qualify for this, you know? Um, and so I just, you know, sent, sent my portfolio and everything. And then they get back to me and they want to hire me to do a small project for one of their clients. And I did it. And then they were like, can you do a few, a bit more? And then I did a bit more. And then they were like, okay, come in for an interview. And then they, and then they gave me the job. Um, so after I got the job, though, I looked back at the job posting and I'm like, I was not qualified for this job. <laughs> like, if I just looked at the job posting and applied, I would not have gotten it. But since that uh, job offer, 
I got into it and then my my boss, you know, when he hired me, he told me like, I'm not hiring you because of your experience and your existing expertise. I'm hiring you because of your work ethic and you've shown your uh, you're eager to learn and grow, you know, um, because I did pull all nighters doing those things, those assignments that uh, and I sent the I sent them the final files at like 4 a.m. or something. But yeah, so since then, I have really full time, like really just dove in to graphic design and um, my company really gives me a good place to grow and they give me like 10 hours a week just for me to learn graphic design um, and they pay for everything that I need and everything. So I'm, I'm really growing a lot. I'm growing more passionate and that's how I got to where I am today. It was by accident and necessity, really. Mm. Wow. I actually want to touch on that really quick because that story, you kind of mentioned how you felt unqualified and, you know, these people worked with like crazy big brands. So Mm. I feel like that that's that's a really big testimony, I think, especially for like Christian artists, people with dreams, people who want to do things, but they feel like I'm not qualified. I'm not talented enough. Maybe I don't have enough like hookups. What did that teach you like in that season? And maybe for people who are like struggling to have faith or struggling with feeling like maybe they don't measure up, but they feel like God's placed a vision and a dream inside of them. But you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's really common. I think it's really common to think that way as a creative that you, it's that imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. you know, you feel like you don't belong in the field that you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, what I have learned in hindsight is that it does go away to some degree. I guess it lessens. And the way that I got through it was by not letting it discourage me and make me mm-hmm. withdraw from the field, but um, let it motivate me to grow because I firmly believe there's like this popular saying, um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Oh, yes. Um, and I really, I really believed that was true. Like no matter what, as long as I'm getting better, I will eventually get to the point where I am good at this, you know? Um, So, I mean, that was me spending eight hours at least uh, because, you know, after I go home from work, I'm doing more design stuff. Um, But yeah, that's like me spending eight hours every single day in these programs for over two years now um, that I've gotten to this point. And you you can even see at the beginning of my Instagram, the first graphics I made were not nearly as good as what they are now. I think as long as you're getting better every single day, like one day at a time, you're going to get there. So that's what I would say. That's so encouraging. What a thought that is to like, I I love that. That's going to stick with me for the rest of my life. I'm getting better every day. So eventually I'll reach that point where I'm good. You know, like, because sometimes it's so hard to think that far ahead. It's like, oh, I'm not the best now. And it kind of feels like, oh, I'll just never be good enough. But if you're always getting better one day, you know, you'll be good. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I guess this is a, I don't know if this is too dark of a way to think about it. <laughs> but you know, when you when you hear about someone you really admire and you hear them fall really badly, make a huge mistake. Like you hear about the scandals in churches and all of, all of those things like that. Um, those things don't happen overnight, you know. The place that we see those people in our minds where they are and the huge distance between that and where they ended up, that happened with daily compromises, you know, small compromises mm. that, that brought them there. I think in the same way, 
the gap between where we are now as creatives and where we want to be in the future is so huge. But the way you close the gap has to be small daily steps, you know, to get in to get in that direction. Same with anything in life, really. It's just uh, if you want to be intimate with God, if you want to live a faithful life and the place where you are now seems so far away from some like some missionary or pastor that you look up to, it's just the daily growth in that area, you know, um, that will get you there. So, yeah. So a question I had was um, going back to what you're saying about the work that you post on Instagram. Like if you scroll to the second slide, you show your process. Yes. Um, what was the reasoning behind sharing that aspect of your work? Yeah. So um, I think so. A lot of it comes from my marketing background. That's one. Uh, because I know people like to see that. <laughs> and I know I really like to see that. And if I'm going to spend so much time making something that I'm not getting paid to do, uh, I want to get the most out of it that I can. Um, and so I want to share, if I can make content out of me making content, then that's two pieces of content, you know, that I don't have to spend any extra time to do. But also I think it's just so that, I don't know, I think it's just very interesting. And I guess I have a problem with focusing when no one is watching me. So when I know that my screen is being recorded, I know that I have to finish this. Uh, if I if it gets really difficult to find a good design solution to a problem, it kind of forces me to do it. Um, and if someone texts me or someone tries to talk to me, um, I don't check those things uh, if I'm being screen recorded. But if I'm just working, I do. <laughs> um, so I guess it's kind of like accountability as well. Um, wow. So yeah, it's it has an interesting effect like that, side effect. But, yeah, yeah, it kind of sounds like you didn't mean for it to become this, but it's almost like a a pro tip now where it's like, <laughs> yeah. I need to get this done. For so sure. let's screen record. And it just has like multiple functions for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Dang. Uh, actually, something I want to touch upon, um, something you said was building more content on something that you already have. And um, I think, like you said, a lot of more beginning artists, they do have imposter syndrome. So even getting their work out there is hard. Yeah. Because they feel like, Oh my gosh, no one's going to like this work because of the the surplus and like just the overwhelming amount of art that's on Instagram and social media. So I guess for you though, it seems like you don't have as much of an issue of doing that cuz you're like, you know what? Like I'm going to share my work, but also I'm going to share this part of my work, right? So I was wondering, were you always courageous in that way of just always sharing your work or was that a learning process as well? Yeah, this was a learning process for sure. I mean, even now I still feel it a lot. So with Instagram, like I thought about posting every day starting like two years ago. Like I thought of that idea uh, two years before I actually did it. And then it was it was just, I kept thinking about it every day and then I kept being afraid like, oh, people are going to think, what's this guy trying to do? He's trying to be an Instagram designer? Like he's not going to he's not going to be good and he's not worth it or whatever. He's not, he doesn't have it in him or whatever. Even now, like I'm, I'm trying to think about, I want to make a YouTube design YouTube channel and I'm, I have the exact same fears, you know, and it's, Mm. it has, I've thought of this channel like for months now and I haven't released a video. So it's still there. And I think even when I'm posting currently on Instagram, which I've already been posting on, I still feel it because as I'm designing things now, more than before, I have to struggle to not think, um, am I making something that's going to be popular versus 
am I making something that I want to make, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's going to be a continuous struggle for me, especially because I think as a human being, that's one of my deepest insecurities, um, being accepted or valued by other people. Like I, I think I tend to crave validation from others instead of from God or in my intrinsic worth as an image bearer of God, you know? So yeah, I think, I think that's a continuous struggle for me. Uh, it took a lot for me to even get to here. Well, I'm glad that you're doing it because I, I honestly love that. I love seeing the process of how someone gets from point A to like point B. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think that that's awesome. And I feel like all artists probably have that kind of like desire to get the validation from people in their work, right? Like in your mind, it's so great. It's like, man, this is like, I love doing this. I, th doing this makes me so happy. And then it's kind of just like a, like a punch in the heart when you feel like someone doesn't appreciate it in the same way that you do. And so I think that's probably, at least that's how I feel. So I, I can at least relate to that. But um, so when you were talking about like these, because you have this channel and like Andy was asking about, you know, these fears. Let me ask you, does the fear of like maybe it not getting noticed or maybe not succeeding ever stop you from being as passionate about it? Does it ever make you feel like, I don't know. Does it ever dim your fire sometimes feeling like, mm. oh, there's so much competition or I'm doing what I love and I'm doing what I I believe God's given me, but no one else is really seeing the potential that I have. Therefore, it's dimming my fire. Does that make sense? Does that yeah. happen to you? I So in terms of design, I don't think it has actually. I guess I'm very fortunate, um, very blessed, but in terms of music, it has. Um, so I, I feel really strongly that I had all of the connections and uh, music industry knowledge it took to become a successful musician. Mm. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I had the talent. Um, and so I, I think I felt a lot like, you know, I'm passionate about this. I really believe in this. I really believe in the music I'm making. And this is like the embodiment of like my heart that I'm putting in these lyrics and I think also because, you know, my musical expression was much more personal to me. It really was like me being conversational, um, whereas a lot of my art is expressive of some, I guess, a response or depiction of scripture, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that was really challenging for me to, to take. Um, and I think eventually I came to terms with it. I don't know if this is what people want to hear, but eventually I came to terms with the possibility that I'm just not as gifted in this as, as I thought, you know, like maybe my skill does not match my, uh, my passion. And maybe I'm not cut out for this industry because I hated the weird hours and the craziness of the industry and how little pay it was. And also um, how much work I was putting into it without seeing any fruit, you know, while at the same time, everyone was telling me like, the small design things that I made, they were like, you know, you're gifted in this, you should do this. And so I think over time, my design passion grew, and then my mu music passion kind of diminished. 
And then it got some, one day it got to the point where I was more passionate about design than I had ever been about music. So I think I'm very blessed. I don't think that happens to many, many people, but yeah. And maybe that's not like good news for some people, but maybe, maybe they need to hear no, the truth. I think you know what I'm saying? You're being honest and real. I like that. And everyone's different, you know? Mm-hmm. I think to me, that's what's beautiful about being a follower of Christ is say you have that thing where you feel like it, you're not as good as it. Like say I wanted to be a professional ballerina. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. But um, there's obviously girls who are well-equipped for that. You know, they have the perfect skinny body for it and they have the flexibility and technique. And then I wanted to be a professional ballerina, but let's say I didn't make it as a professional ballerina, but let's say that um, through ballet, I was able to do other things that God's called me to do. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not always about succeeding in that area that you're necessarily passionate about. Like, oh, to be a professional ballerina and to be successful in God's eyes, for God to take me somewhere, I have to make it in the pro, you know. It's like God can do so many more things with that. That's what's so beautiful about following God is it, it, his ways are higher than our ways. They don't, things don't look the way we want them to always, but it's Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting story because first, your first love was performing like music mm-hmm. writing music right rapping um which is uh it's like audio you hear it mm-hmm. right of course when you perform we see you perform as well but now it's like completely visual you're yeah. doing graphic design and i it think is. it's crazy like how you got to that point and yeah i guess maybe kind of briefly touch on that like is it just that you love art in general that you just have a heart for the arts or was there something inherently about graphic design that you started putting in those hours, watching those YouTube tutorials that brought you there, you know? like Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that at, at its core, it is, I think the love or the pleasure you get from those things that actually makes you fall in love with those things. So uh, with music, it was just that I loved hearing amazing music, you know? Like it, it was so enjoyable for me to hear music and to hear the power of music and uh, what it what it could do in the world that made me fall in love with it and want to do it. And uh, in the same way, when I got into design, I was really drawn to it because I loved looking at beautiful things. That's the most satisfying part about design for me currently even is just making something and then at the end seeing that it's beautiful uh, it's, I guess it's kind of like, I don't want to compare myself to God, <laughs> but when God made creation and at the end of the day, he said, this is good. You know, I think that was the, um, enjoyment that I got. And that's what really got me into it and yeah, still yeah. gets me. Wow. Okay. Edward. Today. So I'm really curious, what does originality mean to you? We'll just be, you know, straightforward. Let's just go for it. Oh, this is good. Uh, so originality. I think that originality, some, someone said this, not me, but originality <laughs> is undetected plagiarism. Um, mm. I don't think there is such thing as something that's completely original. We can't create something out of nothing. Only God can do that. Yeah. Um, so I think originality is when you are inspired by a lot of different people and 
you create something out of that inspiration that people don't recognize as uh, coming from those sources anymore. Um, I think that's what's happening with originality. So if you want originality, I would say consume as much uh, diverse, great art as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, consuming great art. So I guess my question then is, is it is it a thing where it's like you only consume like graphic design or do you draw from many different veins like like films, books and what do you like how about what's your process in that? Where do you yeah. draw inspiration from? Yeah, I think it's uh, anything, literally anything. I think because I'm in the design field and I'm actively trying to uh, improve, um I am looking at a lot of design work. So I mean, my design Instagram is following 98% designers. Like I'm, I just go there for inspiration. Um, but you know, music also brings inspiration. Scripture brings inspiration. What people do with their businesses brings inspiration. People in their relationships and how they treat their family, um, how they balance their lives. Um, mm. Literally, I mean, writers, actors. I mean, I love movies. It's just everything, you know. I think the more that you can take a piece of inspiration and transplant it into something that's in an unrelated field, the more innovation there is and the more originality. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it like reminds me of, for me, I think as a videographer, I like to get inspiration from sometimes just, well, not really traveling because I haven't like traveled to a lot of places, but just um, going to different cities and experiencing new foods that's not anything that's inherently video Mm. but something about like the traveling aspect like sparks something and i think that's so like sometimes very mysterious how inspiration is drawn and i think like i'm very um i'm very like just happy that god brings inspiration in different ways but um i think i completely agree like in terms of if you want to make art that you are proud of you have to definitely draw from a lot of different sources. Mm. And then in the end, that that nurture of consuming that great art turns into something very personal and something very creative, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something A book I would recommend is uh, Steal Like an Artist oh. um, mm-hmm. by Austin Kleon. Mm-hmm. Very good book. That kind of embodies everything that I think about this, this subject. <laughs> mm, for sure. I think that also applies to just like being yourself as well. Like not like we don't even have to be talking about art. I think in general, like I can only use me as an example because I don't know anyone else. But to give an example as but like, you know, they say be yourself because that's that's being original, right? Like if you try to act like someone else, that's being unoriginal. But obviously as people, our behaviors are inspired by certain things like comedy certain comedy shows inspire you know my humor and stuff but it's so like you said it's still copying them but what makes it original is because those are the things that naturally sit well with me those are the things that like I connect with so by displaying those things that I connect with that's me being myself rather than like oh well I really admire people who want to be astronauts because they're so smart but I that's not like something I naturally connect with. So trying to be someone who talks like an astronaut, that's not really me being original. That's kind of just like me being something I'm not. Whereas I'm clearly a comedian, you know, (laughs) to 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So yeah, I really I like that. It was really good. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, a question that I have is as a person that is a part of Brain Trust and you do get these projects that you're asked to do, I know there is, of course, there's your self-expression of like what you kind of gravitate towards as an a graphic designer. Maybe you like to use this font, but maybe the church would like this font. Um, I guess, how do you sometimes divvy that up? Because sometimes when I am like overwhelmed with a lot of client work, but I don't really have my own time to create for myself. Mm. Like it's kind of, I can get burnt out. That's when I get burnt out. Yeah. And yeah, so I guess, how do you navigate that line where it's like, I want to keep creating and doing good work serving this client, but also not getting burnt out. Yeah, I think I think it's a it, I think it's really a difference in uh, how much patience you must have. Okay, so mm. like when it comes to your creative needs, you must ex- you know you you need to express a certain way, right? Um, and otherwise, you will feel creatively unsatisfied, burnt out, like you were saying, right? Um, when, it, when you're just making for yourself, you don't need to have any patience because you can do whatever you want, right? Um, and because of that, sometimes when you make work just for yourself, it's not as rewarding. If you, if you work by yourself versus when you collaborate with somebody, it might not be as rewarding of a project or outcome because it's just your perspective, right? Um, but when you work with a client, um, you do have to do what the client says ultimately because the client is your boss and they're paying you. Um, but... With personal work, I'm always doing that because there are seasons where the client's not going to budge, you know, and not going to listen and not going to uh, learn from you and trust. But um, over time, I think as you do more work with certain clients, um, you you kind of teach them and train them and they build trust. Um, but yeah, so that's why a lot of the work on my personal profile is grungy and messy and not polished, maybe like more collage textured, stuff like that. Um, and then the work that I do at brain trust is very polished, put together and clean, um, because I like to do everything and have a balance and I guess both sides is my outlet. You know what I'm saying? So you were talking about the balance, right? Like between, you know, the more structured and then kind of the more creative. So have you ever been in a position in your life where, those were out of balance and you were kind of forced to do one way more than the other and and where that may have caused you to feel tired of graphic design or made you kind of lose that drive? Yeah, so this was really kind of going back to how I got into design. Um, when I was freelancing and working part-time, scrambling to live, that was the mode I was in, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't care that I was not making the work that I wanted to work personally, uh, wanted to make personally because I just wanted to stay in my apartment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was really burnt out at that point. I was just saying yes to everything. I was doing everything the client asked for you. And if I thought it was a bad idea. Um, and at that point, yeah, I think if, if I had allowed it to continue, um, I would have been done. I would have been like, this is just not for me. I can't do this mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I am. I guess I'm so fortunate now that I'm in a company that, like, I don't have to worry about my stability, so I can, I guess, have that balance. You know. Yeah. 
So what exactly did make you like push through and continue? Um, <clears throat> I think I didn't get to the breaking point. That's what it was. I, I, I really think like I was saved by God before the breaking point. Like I was, I was really praying because like I, I remember I was like on the last two grand I had um, to live, like period. And then my car broke down, and I had to drop two grand on my car. And then I was like, I am done. And then that month is when I got this opportunity, this job. So it's crazy. It's crazy how God does that sometimes, right? Yeah. yeah. He like stretches us just enough. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's just see where your faith is at with this. Yeah. And That's then like, right. yeah, wow. He always, <laughs> yep. he always comes through right on time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. On that note, kind of talking about like stretching and you weren't quite at the breaking point, but you were near there. Um, when hearing your story of how you started to fall in love with graphic design, I could definitely see like God's hand in this with the opportunities he gave you. So just for any, I guess, Christian creatives specifically, um, is there anything that a revelation maybe from God that that kind of keeps you going with your journey as a graphic design artist? Yeah. um, So I'm going to get theological on you, all right? I love Uh, that. I like that. Bring it on. So, So I really, I really believe that there's a problem in the way that we think about this uh, work, okay? So I mean most things, really, in the West. So I think that we really, um, we think of everything as spirit, like there are things that are spiritual and things that are not spiritual. Um, and I, I feel like when it comes to work or creativity or uh, like graphic design, it's, uh, we see it as <clears throat> I'm going to go to church and that's where I worship and I have, Bible reading, and I have missions, I have compassion ministries, things like that. And then I have graphic design, which is my work or my job. And those things are separate. Like the first is where is spiritual, the second is not. And I think if you look at Genesis 1, when God puts Adam in the garden, it says God puts Adam in the garden to work it and keep it, right? So when you work and keep a garden, what are you doing? right? You're just rearranging the dirt and the seeds and the plants, whatever, so that it can grow better, um, so that you can create something new out of what was there, right? And I think for anything, but especially creativity, that's what we're doing. If it's design, we're taking the raw materials and rearranging them to make something new, right? Um, So as a designer, I have colors, I have fonts, I have shapes, I have, you know, textures, things like that. I just arrange them in a way that makes something new, that has meaning that wasn't there before. That's exactly the purpose of God putting Adam in the garden. You feel Mm. me? That's before Mm. the fall and everything. So I really believe that, I mean, medicine, also science, all of that is rearranging existing raw materials, elements, things like chemicals, things like that to create something that can heal a person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or engineering, we're literally just taking wood or shapes, structures, whatever, and then we're rearranging it so that it adds structure or it provides shelter or wow. things like that, right? I think it's the exact same principle when it comes to any creativity. If it's music, it's sounds, you know? Just, I can go on and on. For every single vocation, I think, as long as it's not inherently sinful, um, I believe 
there is a spiritual aspect. Like we were made to do work like this. That's why every field is doing that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I believe it's inherently spiritual. It's not separate from my relationship with God. It's a, it is very intertwined. Jesus is Lord of everything, not just the church, you know, and the soul, but your heart, mind, body, your hands, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, so when, when I approach design, when I think about design, I mean, that's at the core of me doing what I was created to do. You know, it's just design is the medium that I'm doing it in. Um, maybe music was before as well, you know, but I think, yeah, for any creative who's listening, that is what I would really strongly encourage you to understand that especially for creatives where the church doesn't really recognize this as something useful mm-hmm. to the, the mission of God, very often I think, yeah, you, you should recognize that this is an inherently spiritual thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think the same can be said for many things that we do physically, like fasting I think is something that is also largely neglected in the West or rest like these are just all things that we because we can explain them with science we don't think they're spiritual Mm -hmm. but they are very spiritual Mm -hmm. things so yeah that is this is something i'm extremely passionate about so you're 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 preaching right now i feel like anytime like i need some motivation about my work i'll just play this part again you know i was like yeah just hit me up. Like, I'll, I'll tell you more. Okay. Yeah. I feel that it. way no, really. too. Like every time uh, Annie and I film these podcasts, it's always really good timing because I'm like in need of inspiration. And then you guys come on here and you're just so inspiring. And it makes me like, yeah, man. No, <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, wow. I love that. You Pretty much with that question, I feel like you covered like it all that I wanted to know when it came to spiritual, you know, things connecting art mm-hmm. and God. Um, so yeah. let me ask you, how do you structure your creativity? Because I know that there's like not just your creativity, but how do you structure your art? Like when you're making it, I feel like there's a lot of different ways that artists put together their works, mm-hmm. and people don't really know where to start. Um, they may have gathered inspiration, but there's just so much out there that they have a difficulty honing in on like one thing or like where to start. How would you advise yeah. people on that? Yeah, I think um, I will say, so I'll say this. I think that if you're going to be professional, you need to have a process. So what that means is whenever there is a project, I think if inspiration strikes, it can start anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So it could start with, oh, I have this exact image of what I want to make in my mind, and I'm just going to make it. Or it could be, oh, this scripture really speaks to me, or this quote from somebody really speaks to me. I'm going to create something based on that. Or this photo is like amazing. I want to make something with this, right? It could start with any piece in the process when inspiration is there. But when inspiration is not there, then you need to fall back on the process. Oh, wow. And so the process is... I guess for me, and and I think it looks a lot like this for a lot of people, um, is looking for inspiration, so research. um, Research what's there, research possibilities, and then after that, you compile those. And then you, um, after I guess it's called mood boarding, right? And then after mood boarding, you start creating concepts. uh, And then after you make the first step, then you want to take the next step to make it better, right? So maybe revisions from the client or you yourself look at it, sleep on it, whatever, 
and then you add something or take something away or whatever. Um, and then you do that enough times and then you got the final result. If you can uh, nail down a process that is repeatable, that if you just go through all the steps, mm. uh, you will come out with something that is solid, <laughs> then I think that's kind of the way that I think professional creativity can thrive and actually be sustainable. Um, otherwise, you're going to be relying on inspiration all the time, which doesn't always strike sometimes. Wow. You know, some seasons you just don't feel inspired. You yeah. know, you get writer's block, you get designer's block, and you're just like, I want to make anything right now or everything I make sucks. Um, but you just want to yeah, have that process to fall back on. And for me, that has been wow. full fail proof. Uh, foolproof. I don't know. Yeah, fail safe, successful. Fail good. safe, foolproof. Fail safe, foolproof. Yeah, I think yeah. they both work. It's been good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, that's that's something that I haven't really thought about. Which I think that's great. What you're saying about having a process because we're not always inspired. Because someone who doesn't work full time creating as their job, they might lose inspiration and feel like, oh, okay, I'll put this down for a while. Wait mm-hmm. till I find some inspiration. Yeah. But it is important to have like this process because for people who do who do it professionally, who don't have the time to sit and wait for inspiration to come to them, they have this project that has that's due next Friday. You know, like exactly. they need yeah. to have something to to fall back on. I really like that. That was very practical. It was good. Yeah, and I don't know when you're talking about having those steps. Um, and having like each step to a process. I don't know if this is like an apt like phrase for it, but I like just kept thinking about like you got to pay your dues and you got to really prepare well because I think when you do that, that shows that you're respecting what you're doing as well Mm. rather than you're kind of like waiting for lightning in a bottle Mm. and then you're in the zone and then you can finish this all in one night, you know? Yeah. Mm. Because I think that's what most people think of like the romantic image of being an artist. Oh, you catch that lightning in a bottle and... You just, you just work and then you have it now, you know? But I think the, like you said, to be sustainable and to be an artist that has longevity, you got to have the, that process and just always pay your dues in that process and keep you accountable in that. So mm-hmm. I think you're so right. Um, to anyone that's listening, yeah. If you guys are um, waiting for inspiration to strike, maybe you got to listen to and do what Edward said. Just like have your process or find a process and stick to it for at least... I don't know how how long, maybe a, a <laughs> month, two months. I don't know, and then see where it takes you. Yeah, no, I I would just use it as a fail safe. You know, like if you if you're just hitting that block, then do the process. You know, and if you don't have a process, there are so many artists out there that are putting out their process. Like they literally will will walk you through it. I literally upload time lapses of beginning to end of my graphics. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like just try someone else's process and then adjust from there you know i think that's kind of what i'm doing with a lot of uh different types of services that i offer making processes like that so that's amazing Mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah so we talked i think before about a time in your life when you're getting to your breaking point creatively but then let's actually talk about the, the the opposite was there like what part of your graphic design journey were you most creatively fulfilled Dang, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so when I first got hired at this company, it was a struggle, okay? I really felt imposter syndrome, like, to the max, right? So, like, I remember the first day I got there, I had to make these promotional graphics for this church, right? 
and they just go on TVs and like in their just throughout the church everywhere that they advertise stuff this graphic was going to be there right so I had to take this one concept graphic and put it into like six versions um, and I spent all day okay six hours doing that I mean eight hours mm. I worked eight hours so Spent that much time. And then after my boss left, I asked my coworker, like, hey, um, how much time did my coworker, like the person before me take to do this, you know? And she was like, about an hour. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my goodness, this is, uh, this is rough, right? So then fast forward six months, I got hired in the middle of the year. So fast forward six months, we're doing Christmas. Biggest campaign of the year for a church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am like, really spearheading a lot of the stuff and I am so freaked out, right? Because I'm like, mm-hmm. I had this idea, but like, you know, I've never had any big clients before. I just taught myself this stuff. Like, are we really just going to, are you guys really just going to let me tell this client my idea, you know? <laughs> um, and so I was doing all that stuff and then, you know, the ideas that I brought up were doing really well, but I mean, you know, I was struggling really hard to like execute them and come up with like a good concept I didn't have inspiration. I didn't have a process at that time. It was like messy and everything. And I was doing hand lettering, which I had never done in my life. Um, so not only was it like the biggest project I've ever done, and not only was it like the biggest budget project that client was ever going to give us, but it was also, I was doing something I'd never done before in my life, <laughs> right? Wow. Just a um, lot of unknowns, right? Exactly, yeah. And so I was, you know, I, I took this whole course on Skillshare about lettering, and then I was like trying to do the lettering and I was like struggling with digitizing it. It was like so painful. Um, (laughs) But then at the end, you know, when I, when it all got approved and then I started building out the rest of the stuff, I mean, the church had like a hundred plus deliverables for this one campaign. So I I was making like all of them. Uh, But at the very, very end, it was like looking at the pieces, I still have them. They're like so beautiful, (laughs) you know, and it's so it was so rewarding because it was also the first project that I felt like I really, um, I really rose to the occasion, you know, mm-hmm. and I uh, took ownership of the project. And I, I mean, I was still learning a lot, asking a lot of questions. I was still like afraid the whole time and like insecure and all of that. But um, looking back, it was yeah. so good. And the client, the client was like this this year's devotional book was the best, it's most beautiful we've ever had. Um, and, you know, in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, can I even measure up to the guy before me? Cause he left to be an art director at a tech company. Okay. Mm. And I, I was working for churches. I was making logos for like $10. Okay. Before mm. this. Um, but yeah, so that, that was really huge for me. I think in terms of my confidence, in terms of me growing a ton as a designer, I have no problem with Illustrator now, like Adobe Illustrator, because that project, I struggled so hard with that thing, man. But yeah, it was, I think it was just through the fire made it so much more rewarding. And when I look back on those pieces, I guess there's some things I would still change because I've grown a lot since then, but I'm still really proud of that. And it's very satisfying for me and it was for a cause that I believe in. So yeah, I think through the fire is an apt way to say that. Mm-hmm. Would you would you recommend that? Like if there is an opportunity and let's say that you're a you're kind of a newer you're newer in your field, whether it be graphic design or anything, but you get an opportunity like the one that you got where you're thrown into the fire, do you think that's something that you would tell most artists, take it and see what you're made of? Because it's going to like speed up the whole 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, as long as you, as long as you're not the type to, when it gets hard, you're going to back out. Mm. Um, I think you really got to do the, you got to complete the suffering or you're not going to get the gains. You know <laughs> That's good. That's so uh, good. Yeah. It's like, it's exactly. like when you're doing reps in the gym and you're like, oh, this is kind of hard now. I'm going to stop, you know, then you're like going to stay the same size forever, you know? Yeah. Um, you, you just got to really put in the work and it's going to be hard. So just get the hard out the way and then grow. <laughs> you know? That's so good. Get the hard out the way yeah. so you can grow. <laughs> so I have to say it again because it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're almost ready to wrap up, but I have one more question that I've been curious, so I want to ask you. I'm sure you've heard this saying, uh, in order to break the rules, you have to know the rules, right? So like with art, in order to like go outside the lines, you have to know the lines and within art. Uh, I kind of take that as I think there's basic foundations of whatever it is you're doing. If there's music, obviously, I think it's important to know, you know, some music theory, um, how chord structures work, how, you know, um, if it's drawing, I think there's basic dimensions, things to learn. So how important would you say it is for people who are, creating to pursue like vast knowledge of what they're creating like you know to continue to always be the student how important do you think that is yeah i think it is i think it's extremely important um i i agree with the sentiment behind that saying that you know you shouldn't just like there is a lot of value to really understanding how things should be done formally because i think you can really create some incredible work if you start from there um, because principles are difficult to understand and they're foundational, you know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are always instances where somebody doesn't know anything mm -hmm. and then creates something that becomes a huge trend in that field and mm -hmm. is widely applauded and feels fresh mm -hmm. because they don't know the principles, you know, the rules. So... I would say bottom line, you need to, you need to have limitations. Um, and that's where you thrive creatively. You need to, um, whether it be those principles where it's like, don't stretch type or what don't use comic sans. Uh, these are not design principles. <laughs> these are just, poor, these are I just love comic poor sans comic sans. Yes. <laughs> no, comic, comic sans is totally fine. You don't have to, you don't have to hate. Uh, Andy. Andy thinks in Comic Sans. I'm just no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. But I think this is a perfect example of what we're saying, though, where it's like, if you know that Comic Sans is a no-no in the design world, you can take it and do something cool with it if yeah. you have that knowledge already. But if you're right. like, you just like kind of un like you have no idea, you're like, oh, Comic Sans is the best font ever, then maybe you're not really like, <laughs> I get, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you can be ironic yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I think yeah. as long as you, I think like I was saying, the limitations, it's like a fish can only be free in water. Like a creative must have boundaries for the mm. creativity in mm. order to create something amazing, right? So um, I think if it is like, uh, for example, you need to use grid systems or you need uh, to, you know, follow the design principles, repetition, alignment, stuff like that. Um, I would say those are good for you to understand so you can create something using those things and be free within those limitations. Um, it will actually expand your creativity. But I think for some people who don't even know that much, it may be that their limitation is their lack of knowledge of the field, you know, of the oh. industry. Um, and, and 
usually those people don't have the technical skills either, but they create something really fresh and interesting. So, mm. um, yeah, I don't know if that even answers your question. Yeah, it does. I think that's really good. I just yeah. said it. <laughs> <laughs> we like we like that original originality thought process. <laughs> All right, I think we're about to wrap. Um, okay, no, sorry. Can I just ask one more question? <laughs> no, you're good. I'm yeah, enjoying one this. More question. So you can yes. ask as many. Oh, as, I said three hours of the max, right? I so. know. I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, because um, yeah, this is when I'm checking out your Instagram feed. A lot of your work uh, does derive from scripture. So is there a scripture that has been um, in this season near to your heart? Mm. Oh, man. I guess I've been, I don't know as much like, I guess near to my heart as in I've been struggling with it a lot, (laughs) is the, um, when Jesus says it is, basically he says it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. Mm. Um. I guess this is completely unrelated to creativity, but I really believe that we are rich in America. Mm. And Jesus basically says it is impossible. You know, he says with God it's possible, but right after he says an impossible metaphor, you know what I'm saying? Like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Um, that's It's like me saying, if I threw this tennis ball at my wall, would it eventually hit one of you guys <laughs> mm. uh, like it's the chances are so slim like if i was like you can go to heaven with money if you if you do that if if like it's just as probable as if i did that right then you would be like um this is not gonna happen i'm just not gonna have i'm just not gonna be rich you know mm. um but yeah i think i've just been really struggling with that idea um because i I think that as rich people, we like to tell each other that we're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, this is a thing that I've been wrestling with a lot. Like, I don't think that <clears throat> when you look at uh, what made God upset at Israel, a lot of times in the Old Testament, you know, one was that they were worshiping other gods. But a lot of, in, in I was reading Micah and God says, Y'all are so concerned with drinking bowls of wine, not just cups. He says bowls, right? And then putting on perfume and lotion, things like that, these nice, comfortable things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did not also consider the plight of the oppressed, right, mm-hmm. of the poor. Um, and I think this seems so much like America or the middle class life or... Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of us who say, Lord, Lord, um, do we not do all these things for you? But Jesus straight up says, um, it is almost impossible for a rich man to go to heaven, you know? And I think I had difficulty swallowing this idea because I don't want to give up my stuff, you know? Um, But I think that's, I think the picture right after that or right before that was the same thing. The guy, the rich young ruler walked away because he didn't want to give up all his stuff, you know, even though he kept the other commandments, which is what we do in the church in America, you know. So I don't know if that's really what you were (laughs) expecting or asking for. Um, But I I mean, I don't know the answer. I don't know what it should look like, you know, like, should we sell all of our things? I don't want to rule that out. 
because Jesus does tell his disciples to sell their stuff. He literally does that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, I just think this is something that I've been struggling. I actually made a whole series of posts on my Instagram about verses Christians ignore, and one of them was, they, a lot of them were connected to this. One of them was like, when you give a dinner, don't invite your friends or your rich neighbors. Mm-hmm. Invite the poor and the lame and the crippled and wow. all of that. And, wow. you know, in the church, we we just invite each other to dinners. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just like, it seems so different from what Western American Christianity is. Because wow. um, I'm sure in the East, if if it's a persecuted church, um, they're not. I don't think they have this problem because you can't. You're not doing it for the comfort. You know what I'm saying. You're kind of. If you do it, you're losing everything. You know. If you be if you become a Christian, that is. So yeah, this is what I've been struggling yeah. with. So pray you're for right. me. You're right. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely more of a cost to following Jesus in other areas of the world, but for us, it seems like there's more benefits. Weirdly. Yeah. And and I would even say I would even argue that the cost in America is even greater because um, the the thing that it's not that you know being rich is sinful and it makes you um, it makes you go it makes you it keeps you out of the kingdom it's the fact that being rich makes you love riches you know and it and it makes you not want to give to the poor it makes you not want to wow. want equity and justice anymore. It you know? makes you think wow. about yourself more than others. Yeah, that Definitely. too. Like, what can I get? What can I, what mm-hmm. What do I want, you know? And um, I think it is even, I would argue it is just as difficult in America to enter the kingdom of heaven because you have to give it up when everyone around you is not, you know? Because mm. um, I, I remember KB, the, the rapper, he's a Christian rapper. He went to Africa and, you know, he, it was really poor communities that he was in. He was talking to them and they were so faithful and they had so much joy in God. Um, and then he was talking to them and, and he was like, it's amazing that you guys trust God so much and love God so much when you have nothing, you know? And they were like, we can't believe that you trust God when you have so much because oh. God, <laughs> God is all we have, you know? Wow. So yeah, That's it's it's America's a it's a really right <laughs> yeah. I think it's a it's a really serious problem, and I don't think we talk about it because we're all rich, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Oh man. Wow. No. Thank you so much. Um. I think this whole podcast, if I could sum up, like just my experience talking to you, is your perspective on things are very. It's it's very refreshing and it's very um challenging as well Mm. and i feel like i see that in your art too i think like you present the gospel in a beautiful way and i think in your art and your graphic design and it kind of shifts the way you look at certain verses Mm. which i think is such an amazing thing that you do i feel that same spirit from your art when you're talking Mm. so just thank you for just um yeah blessing us with your presence and yes. yeah, that's like I guess that's the biggest thing I want to say. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, thank you guys for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. I mean, I like I said before, I'm a huge fan of everything you guys do. So it's been great to connect with you guys. So thank you so much, Edward, for talking with us, and thank you to everyone tuning in. And we'll catch you again next time. <laughs>